Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Realcom Live. And uh, I, we were just in the green room, and Ian had to kick us out because we were having so much fun. Um, these episodes just keep getting better and better, um, at least from my perspective. Um, not that the ones we started with weren't great, but the, the folks that we've got on today, they are as world-class as it gets. We're going to be talking about smart buildings and some of the stuff that is going to be going on at IBCon. But we've got uh, Emmanuel Daniel from Microsoft, Director of Applied Innovation in Smart Buildings and Campuses. We've got Sabine Lamb, RES, REWS Building Operating Systems and Global Lead for Google. And then we've got Dean Hopkins, COO of Oxford Properties, not just a leading commercial real estate company, but a leading innovator in the commercial real estate space. So with that, I'd like to bring on our guests and get right to the conversation because we got so much to talk about. Hello, everybody. Again, how are you? From three Hello. minutes ago, <laughs> we were Great. we were having some we were having so much fun. Ian, Sabine and I were in a conversation, and Ian just cut us off. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, we finished that that thought. So first of all, thank you. I know how big your jobs are. I know how uh, big your responsibilities are, and for you to take this hour or so in prep time and, and getting on on the call today, I really do appreciate it. So what I want to do, I want to move quick because we got so much to talk about. So I'm just going to have you go around. We'll start with Emmanuel. Uh, just give a, a little brief overview of yourself. Um, you know, obviously, uh, we all know Microsoft, but just a little uh, bit about your role as it relates to smart buildings and smart campuses. And then I want to get us right just into a casual conversation like we were having earlier. Yeah, so Emmanuel. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jim. And good morning, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Emmanuel Daniel. I'm the Director of Digital Transformation and Smart Buildings at Microsoft GWS. GWS owns and manages our entire real estate portfolio. My job is I take care of the fusion of the built environment with digital technology. How do we drive better experiences for people that come into a space aided by technology? How do we help drive and standardize those experiences, customize them to geos, and help roll out these experiences to every building and asset that we have across the globe? So anyone that walks into any Microsoft building anywhere will have an amazing experience backed by technology that is universally supported and allowing us to scale and delight all of our occupants, you know, be they friends, partners, customers, or tenants, wherever they may be. That's, that, that's what I do. So if it, just to summarize, if somebody walks into a Microsoft building, specifically the Microsoft, new Microsoft campus that's being built up in Redmond, your fingerprints are all over the digital experience that they have when they walk in that building. Yeah. In, in addition to the digital experience, Jim, we also try to alter physical space so the digital experience can be completely enhanced to its maximum. So the uh, one of our largest developments today is the East Campus Modernization Program. I have a phenomenal team that's backing it up. But on that program, if you walk into our new campus or any of our buildings, space is designed to optimize the experience, and the experience is driven by the underlying technology. Building all that yeah. is what I do. You know, man, I'll tell you, I've had that conversation about a million times, and there's only about 10 people on the planet that I honestly believe fully understand what you just said. It appears to be an easy idea to understand, but it, it, it is not. It takes much trial and error to, to fully recognize that face or space needs to be adaptable to the experience being delivered by the technology. Mm -hmm. Yep. Dean, how about uh, a little overview of yourself and, and what you're doing at Oxford? Sure. So um, Dean Hopkins, I'm the Chief Operations Officer at Oxford, but it, that isn't what it sounds like on the tin. Um, that's uh, I'm uh, Oxford's a seventy billion dollars assets under management global real estate company um, investor and business builder. So we not only invest money in real estate, but we actually build real estate businesses, which means we. We build buildings, we, um, we bring product to market, and we, we uh, 
deal with customers every day, which makes us, I think, a better investor. And then better investor makes us a better business builder. And what my job is, is to sort of think about what a great real estate company looks like um, kind of by 2025 plus standards. So how do we how do we imagine a more digital, more contemporary company that leverages technology to invest, to build businesses, to deliver the product to the customer? Um, so I get to play at all in all the food groups, office, industrial, retail, hospitality, the whole uh, the whole gamut across the world. We're a global company, 20 plus cities. Um, and across the whole value chain, whether it's buying buildings, uh, building them out of the ground, um, or delivering the service to customers. So um, I get to play in a lot of a lot of spaces. And by the way, I'm not a real estate guy. I spent I was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah I spent 27 <laughs> years in tech, uh, and I've only been doing the real estate thing for two years. So um, it's been a lot of fun, and and I get to collaborate with the likes of Sabine and Emmanuel on sort of changing this 200 trillion dollar uh, asset class, largest in the world. Um, and uh, I think it's ripe for change, and I think it's going to take people like Emmanuel, Sabine, and I to sort of push the limits on, on what the art of the possible is. So excited about I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's one of the most significant aspects of your skill set is that you come in with fresh eyes, saying, "Well, I know that's the way it's been done for 30 years, but does it still need to be done that way?" Uh, and with your credentials on the tech side, I think you find yourself in a really good position. I certainly am giving it my all. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sabim, uh, Google, right? Everybody on the planet, even those in the middle of nowhere know who Google is. Yeah, they want, uh, whether they and, want it or not, yeah, go ahead. They, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you are now in that role of, of trying to help understand what a smart building and a smart campus looks. Can you give us a little overview on, on your role? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Dean concluded in saying he's not a real estate guy and I'll introduce myself as I'm also not a real estate person, but um, I do love technology and, and we surround ourselves with market leaders. So we, we find a way to apply what Google knows well, IT and big data to the to, to this operational world and, and kind of the vision that we all have for the, you know, for the experience. Um, so my role is really to champion the, the building operating system program that we have at Google. Um, within our real estate and workplace services organization. So it's a program that's a bottom-up cross-organizational program with um, networking, security, engineering resource, um, and really trying to find bring a solution for our entire real estate portfolio, which is quite large um, and, and, and global, um, and how to access our building data in a very granular way to enable you know, those experience. So it could be, um, we talk sustainability, it's, coming to hourly rates of information, um, flexible workspace. Well, how do you change your, your um, configuration of your operating system if you want to change the physical aspect of your, of your space? And so it's really focusing on the infrastructure itself is where, is where um, my team um, spent time on. Well, what's really interesting is that the real estate world is really being, think of it as a big battleship, is really being nudged and influenced by the tech leaders, the Microsofts and the Googles who understand automation and mobility and, and digitalness. Uh, and, it, and we kind of picked up on that a few years ago when we started doing core tech exclusively up in Silicon Valley because some of the most innovative ideas were coming out of those corporations in the Northwest, you know, in, in California and in Seattle. So you were all in your roles before COVID hit. Right, and 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 there was a digital transformation trajectory. You, know, you were you were moving in a direction. Let's go reverse. We'll start with Sabine. How much did what we learned about mobility and working from anywhere? How much that that we learned during COVID altered your strategy, or did it just say, 
or did it support your strategy? Did, did anything change for you in the last 18 months? You know, again, I'm, I'm focused on the technology and the data. And I would say the way you look at the information and the way you're going to analyze it um, is going to lead to different conclusion. You no. Know, so instead of having full building and, and push for um, more uh, more people within the building because we, we run out of space, now it's the other way around. Our buildings are empty. How do we operate them efficiently? Right. But it still needs uh, we still need information about the building and how it's operating. And so on the data side, um, it hasn't changed, um, you know, on the real estate data side, of course, the, the experience at home is a whole um, new slew of tools that we have to make available um, and, 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 you know, and um, mental health, um, you know, mental um, health, etc. But it, I think in the real estate side, in my mind, it just pointed out how inefficient we are in operating our building. You know, all of a sudden, you know, that's that is transition. We want flexibility. Yep. Well, how flexible were we going from? full you know people you know building that are full of employees to no employees where are you where we really good at going back and forth and, we, and all right. along the way we've been you know saying let's let's go back to the office in a month from now in two months from now we keep on turning on and off our offices and we're still not super efficient at it so i think well there was a technology to be much more nimble and flexible not to steal Howard's thunder, but he's going to be talking, I don't know if he's talking about this one, I think it will, an article this week where a second city, New York first, now Pittsburgh said, during COVID, our buildings were uh, less than 10% utilized and yet our energy bills didn't move. They stay the same. That's yeah, Tim, not good. I'll, I'll kind of layer in, I think everybody talks a lot about the pandemic impacting office, but um, what's interesting is the impact it had on uh, kind of almost disproportionately to office on retail and industrial. So, um, you know, the accelerate, you know, I've been around e-commerce as you have for 25 years and it took the kind of pandemic to sort of tilt the curve of adoption in North America anyway, uh, and in Europe dramatically up in e-commerce, which then put huge pressure on the logistics side of the house and the amount of kind of growth in an already tight market for occupancy in, in, in the logistics space went through the roof. Um, so, so you know, the amount of square footage of industrial space being built, um, the innovation in that space, we built a multi-level, uh, first multi-level in North America logistics building, um, in, in Vancouver automatically got at least, uh, least up at market leading rates because there's just such a huge appetite for the digital supply chain of direct to home delivery uh, in retail, um, which then puts the traditional retailer under a lot of pressure, bricks and mortar retail. You know, is, is feeling the pinch. So that's a huge acceleration of something not office as related to COVID. Um, we're seeing it in in other categories as well. We've launched a very big life sciences business because the acceleration of the interest in vaccines, mRNA um, technologies, biotech, and we call it localization of it because of not wanting to deal with global supply chains has dramatically increased the investment in that space. The need for a new category of retailing, uh, sorry, a new category of real estate to emerge to support labs, biomanufacturing and the like, which has exploded in the last two or three years. So I'd say the pandemic has had a, a, a pretty big impact on spaces that people don't even recognize as necessarily having had the impact, which is pretty interesting. Well, it, it, what I think has been so interesting for me is the real estate industry has traditionally been pretty slow to adopt or to change, yeah. right? It didn't have a choice, right? I mean, lives were changed, lifestyles were changed. And, and I, I'm, it's really interesting watching how a very stoic, conservative, you know, 100 year old industry 
is adopting to these changes. And then sitting on the other side, the Googles and the Microsofts and the Apples that are bringing these new tools, what does it look like? What does it all end up looking like? Retail, office, industrial. But the shift is happening. I just want to to Dean's point, you know, where his comment about how space has changed. What we are going through, Jim, is probably uh, the highlighting the important. We always had a strategy to do hybrid because we're always about empowerment of the people to allow them to be more productive, right? And if you're productive in A, B, C, that's your choice. But I think what it has highlighted to us is the role space plays in, in enabling a person to be productive, highly efficient, and motivated. Right? All of a sudden, when you said that, you know, I've got to go to office from nine to five and sit in a fixed seat and a fixed desk, right? The pandemic said, you know, I could do that from home. I could do that from a park. I now have the opportunity to do so. So the importance of space in the life of a human being and how that space drives human behavior in terms of positive attitudes, positive engagement, and higher collaboration has been accelerated massively. So has our strategy changed? No, it hasn't, you know, because we were always about productivity and empowerment of the human. But what it has done, it is it has validated the need, like you said, for a hundred year old real estate um, uh, organization or fraternity to accept the importance of space and the fusion of technology with that space to positively engage humans so they feel empowered, they feel connected, they feel correct. Because the funny part is we always talk about not getting into work, but you know, the the need for connectivity has always remained no matter what the situation is. The need for engagement has always remained. Now the question is, how is space going to allow you to do that? And that's why the acceleration of, of technology to drive those use cases or scenarios has become pretty good. Think of it. No one says that I will go into a building to feel happy. But now, if you have to feel happy, if you have to feel engaged, you have to go to a space and space resides in a building, be it your home or be it a commercial real estate asset that you would own. And that's what you're doing, driving that technology to positively influence your outcomes. So you feel more connected, more engaged, right? That's what you're all about. Well, what's really interesting is I've been hearing people saying, I'm going into the office, I'm sitting in my desk and I'm doing a, a Teams call with somebody right down the hall. And I said, I'm not sure that's what we're, uh, the offices, if we're you know talking about an office, needs to offer engaging experiences and environments to accelerate that collaboration. Yeah. If you're gonna, if I'm gonna still get on that train or that car and drive an hour into the office, it has to be a different kind of place. Mm -hmm. you know? the, other, the other thing we're seeing, and I think it's related to Emmanuel's point, and I'm, I'm sure Sabine's all over this as well, is the rise of the telemetry from the building being a determinant of how people feel about the building, about their experience, right? Which is they're in the building and they're like, I wonder what the air quality is. I wonder what, you know, how clean it is. I wonder how congested it is. I wonder, you know, there's, we never really had the notion of the, how safe I feel in a building. I can actually um, make people feel much safer by actually giving them uh, data and information about their occupancy. Um, and that, that has given rise to an explosion in uh, sensors in, and over a, by the way, over an infrastructure that wasn't ready for it. Like most brownfield buildings, even Emmanuel, I think when he started on his journey, went in and opened up some of the Microsoft buildings and went, uh, I, what? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so like we've all had that experience. And, um, and so I think it's really interesting that there's this explosion of demand from the customer mm -hmm. to say, hey, listen, I need to, in order to make me feel great, I need much more data. So we've got to respond by actually making sure the infrastructure is capable of serving that from a wellness and, and um, 
uh, quality of, of experience perspective. I don't know, Sabine, I'm, I'm sure you feel I, I, I was going to say, yeah, I, you know, I, first of all, I don't know how long people will worry about that aspect because it's, it's very much because of, you know, the virus. We're all worried about the air quality, but I'm hoping we're all eventually can calm down and, and go back to some level of trust of the environment. Um, but mostly what I was going to say is all that data, it's, you can still be skeptical about the value of it and, and how you action you action it, right? Okay, the air quality in your, in your office is this. You're going to have to go explain why. Is it because the outside air is terrible? Is it because something else? What do you do about it? Like you're, you're giving yourself a lot of additional work to explain it. And so just like Emmanuel was saying last time, it's the data itself is not enough. You have to have a whole combination of information yeah. and survey and how you feel about this and what do you do? And there's a lot of complexity behind. It's just okay. another data point. You know, it's just another data point. And occupancy is the same thing. When I talk to my um, user experience team, you know, and if I tell them we need occupancy data, like knowing where what space you, people are using, that's not enough. That doesn't mean they're happy. It doesn't mean they're not happy. It doesn't mean they're efficient yeah it's just another data point but yeah we want more of those data points and we want and um there's complexity on not only what it tells you how you analyze it and how you action it like air quality data okay the the hand sanitizer increase the uh, i don't know whatever level it is you know of the air quality well it's the hand sanitizer what do you you don't wash your hands anymore what do you do you know it's it's very complex i think and it so gets very complex. I hate to do this, but we got to hear from another one of our great sponsors. Hold on. We're going to come right back and con con continue this great conversation. Today, workplace leaders like you are in a tough spot. You're facing tension between managing real estate costs, ensuring employee well-being, and finding ways to make sure everyone has the right space for the right activities. Your decisions can be make or break. At Locatee, we want to help you get the insights you need for those decisions. So we built a solution that can take data from your existing infrastructure and give you a clear picture of your portfolio, buildings, floors, and spaces. With views of workplace occupancy, ways to gain efficiency, and places to cut costs, you can make workplaces serve your people better, ensuring both productivity and cost savings. Plus, Locatee needs nearly no setup time to deliver insights fast without extra maintenance expenses. In over 60 countries, companies are already using Locatee to make the right decisions backed by numbers and confidence. Join them today and know you're making all the right moves. All right, let's get back to our group and continue this great conversation. Boy, that was timely, wasn't it? I mean, we were just talking about data and air quality and Locatee's message was, was pretty in sync with the conversation. Um, so we're, we are gonna run out of time and we're gonna have to have you back. And one thing I didn't mention earlier was that you two, three have, have um, are, are chairs for IBCon. And, and first of all, I'll say thank you for that, but just to let the audience know, I mean, your brains and your intellect and your experience are what drives the program and the conversation. So. Again, I just want to say thank you for you know helping us in that very important role and and sharing your insights. Uh, it's one thing to be great and successful, and it's another thing to share it. Uh, and I really do appreciate all three of you for that. So um, let we're I probably only have time for one or two more questions, but what I want to get at is, um, Emmanuel, you say technology for buildings and experiences. That might some people who are not as far down the road as the three of you, they may say, what is he talking about? 
Can you give us one example of where technology meets the built space? Explain the experience, explain how going back into the office will be a little different. And then I'm gonna ask the same of uh, Dean and Sabine. Sure, you know, the, and it's a great question, Howard. A lot of times when you go inside a building, you are not exposed to the amount of tech you have inside the building because building automation systems, core building systems are not exposed to you. I mean, your simple elevator ride up and down the building, the amount of tech that that elevator has is phenomenal. Now you add that to a building management system, you know, the amount of data points buildings capture today run from 15 to 20,000 data points, but nobody sees it. What we're trying to do is to say that, how can the building work for you? And what that means is trying to prefer or optimize the environmental settings of the space that they are in to suit and respond to the requirements that you have. So that typically means adjusting your lighting levels, adjusting your temperature, adjusting or finding the right noise levels for you, helping you navigate around the building, helping to ensure that you have seamless access so you don't have to go and swiping around where you can or cannot go, where we are now taking the load off you from searching for the optimum space or the suitable environment and optimizing your focus on the work you are, you are intended to do. Bringing all this together as a combination of multiple systems, your parking system, your access management system, your building management system, your indoor navigation system, and the tech that goes into it is what we try to identify as a way to bring it all together. Now, your point on air quality, why is that important for us? It was always important, it's not, why is it important now? But then helping people understand that the environment that you are working in has been designed and catered so your individual health preferences your your allergen preferences have all been taken care of so you can rest assured that if you're going to go to my cafeteria to have lunch or you ought to grab a snack that cafeteria experience has been optimized from the food available to you to tell you hey look at all the amazing choices that we have that is catered or curated for you where you know you as the individual feel value and that's what we try right. where our focus has always been how do I help you feel safe, secure, connected, and optimized for what you would like to achieve without having to worry about all the other things that go around you? To oh, do is the tech that we try to identify, integrate, and weave together. And that is the beauty of it. You know, some people tell me that, you know, you talk about it like as if you're doing a piece of art or a painting. And I'm like, in a way it is. You are, yeah. Multiple colors painted together to create a beautiful collage where you at the end of the day, Jim, if you come over to our campus and visit our office, we say, wow, this space is designed just for me. That's the feeling we want you to get. Awesome. Sabine, how about you at Google? What 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 are we going to feel, see, touch when your job is is done? You know, I, I was trying. To, there's all right. So for, so for Google, it's always been the focus, right? We always thrive to make that workspace the most amazing one um, to retain to, to retain the workforce and to to make it efficient, etc. So I think I don't think it's a change of strategy. And there's an evolution and I, I can't really speak to exactly what we will do. Um, it's something that we take a lot of pride of and, and, and when whatever is published is published. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always, it's always going to push towards the hybrid workspace and, and, and making sure everybody feels fully included and, and focus on the collaboration aspect of it. So any change we'll make will be to encourage collaboration on site. If you go to the office, it's for collaboration. The space right. will evolve to enable that. Um, but I would say the change will be the unseen, right? It, it's, our huge focus on, as far as technology goes is sustainability. It's almost frictionless workspace. You go in and you don't feel your environment. I don't want you to know it's hot or cold or whatever. And so right. it's around, first of all, sustainability is, is energy saving. It's the right thing to do. There's a lot, um, a lot of um, 
opportunity there and, and access to data so we can report on our goal around you know carbon zero etc the other other concept is around automated operation of the space and so we pull data we analyze it we turn around and automatically operate you know um, overwrite the controls i think that's the aspect where it's the unseen and so you may not feel it and if you don't feel it that's awesome we were successful and then you did your job yeah exactly so <laughs> yeah. you're, you're the unsung heroes yeah unsung <laughs> heroes yeah yes Dean, speaking, how speaking, about of you? Unsung, speaking of unsung heroes you know we we provide buildings that we have multiple tenants in often and so we uh, our view is you know you've made experience to our building from the you know the lobby experience the elevator experience and then transiting to your your suite um and so what we're realizing is that different of our occupiers, different of our customers are in different parts of their journey and have different levels of sophistication in terms of their own way in which they're delivering an experience to their customers. So we have a really unique challenge, which is we don't just have one monolithic, you know, end to end thing. We've actually got to make our buildings, call it an integration surface that the really sophisticated can really use to sort of go very, very deep and use all the telemetry off the building and you know, weave it into their customer experience. And then we got others where they want us to do that for them. So we give them a customer app facing app where the app can kind of on your phone, everybody lives their life on their phone now, you know, they can actually uh, pass that on to their, their own staff to use to uh, manage the experience. So we've actually got to go the full gamut. And so we're designing our, kind of, our digital building kind of platform by the way, with the complexity that Sabine and Emmanuel know that every building is a snowflake. So, but creating a consistent kind of backplane that this can all happen from hiding kind of the complexity under the waterline of all the different systems and, and the fact that they're not connected and there's no standards. And, you know, um, so that's our challenge is, is creating that, you know, that almost serene duck on the pond look where the, the you know, the, the legs are going really crazy underneath and allow our customers to then choose where they want to be we'll give you the app or we'll give you a kind of an interface into all of the richness of the data that and telemetry that we can accumulate from the building and hand to you um and actually we're you know we're using digital twins um as an enabler of that whole thing and i think that allows us to give for ourselves and for our customers a really rich um set of capabilities that they can use to sort of create that experience well i i got unfortunately we are over time howard's going to yell at me but um he, he understands I, I just can't believe the level of sophistication where this conversation went today, the organizations that are having it. I honestly just want to say thank you. I've been on this journey for a while and the conversation we just had, you probably couldn't have had five, seven years ago. Uh, and the fact that leaders like you, big companies are embracing this, you are the ones who are charting the future. And it's all those folks who are maybe a little less experienced, a little less convinced, Hopefully they'll hear your conversations and the organizations you represent, and they'll be motivated to jump onto this onto this train because we're not going back to dumb old buildings. We're not. We can't. ESG, health and wellness, efficiency, energy, you name it. And and again, having major organizations like yours on this journey and be willing to lead and share, very much appreciated. Yeah. We're big, but we're not big enough to change the industry by ourselves, right? So we need yeah. to convince others that that is this it is the path forward. Uh, so I thought well Google said, owned well the world. <laughs> it takes a village. It's going to take a village. It's going to take all of us to get there. So it well is yeah, exactly well. well and, th and think about that. Google's saying that. Microsoft's saying that. Oxford's saying that. Leaders, top of the food chain, and you're all saying it's going to take everybody to make this work. And so, very, very important message. So hopefully, this gets out. 
Well, all of you, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate time. And we're going to got a conference coming up, got lots of work to do in the next six weeks and three days. <laughs> we're, we're counting down and uh, looking forward to it. So thank you again. Okay, thank you. Everybody. Thanks for having us. Bye. Be well. Bye bye. All right. Well, you know, what can I say? Uh, great people, first and foremost, great organizations. And, and I wasn't joking about leading. So um, they are doing a great job with that. Let's bring Howard Berger in. And Howard, I know I've gone over. Uh, luckily, we're not cable news and we have a little bit of flexibility. So uh, take it away. It was totally worth it, Jim. Uh, I, I mean, thank you. I, I, and thank you, Sabine, Emmanuel, Dean. Uh, we're great minds. Really great having you with us today. And, and thank you for you know, being uh, leading, uh, leading as our chairs for IBCon. Uh, so uh, let me get into the news. Each week we highlight a couple of stories from our weekly news briefing. It's released every Thursday, 11 a.m. Pacific. Um, and this week's lead article comes from Marty Edwards and Michael Rothschild from Tenable. So building systems from BMS to physical security, they're getting more complex, converge, and with that comes increased cyber risk. Here are just a couple of things to keep in mind to control OT cyber risk. First, you have to have you have to be able to control physical access to every device, including all the networking equipment and gateways. Then you need to create an accurate real-time inventory. So you can query all the devices, whether they're active or not, for patch levels, firmware versions, backplane information, et cetera. And the goal, catch vulnerabilities before they're exploded. Now, we usually think about legacy control technologies like BMS, fire suppression, physical security, but Let's not forget the new stuff like living roofs and adaptive window tinting, EV chargers, automated parking, LED facades, digital signage. Bottom line is you need meticulous journaling, uh, the details of all devices. Keep that all updated. Know all of the inherent vulnerabilities. It's a lot of work, but the, but the devil's in the detail and the work is critical. Uh, so thanks, Marty and Michael, for that, uh, for that article. Next, I want to shout out to our tech partner, Microlab. Um, so getting a good wireless signal in a high density building, it's complex, it's challenging, it's expensive, and, and the macro tires cowers, can always handle the demand because of signal penetration or capacity issues. So in building neutral host solutions become kind of the Swiss army knives for getting better signal and allow attendants to, and users to bring their own devices. So if you're planning a wireless infrastructure, consider the evolving landscape of future use cases if you want to get your coverage and capacity right. It's gotta be flexible, resilient, easy to commission mobile network operators no matter when they sign up. This is pretty complicated stuff. Microlabs has a solution with their MCC platform. Uh, it's, all, uh, it's all in the article, so thanks Microlab uh, for your support. Finally, <clears throat> now JBG Smith broke ground on one of the first of three academic buildings planned at Virginia Tech Innovation Campus in Alexandria, Virginia. Now, this is part of a 65-acre mixed-use district uh, in Potomac Yard, which is one of the three neighborhoods in the larger national landing development, which we, by the way, covered in our Realcom Live interview with Vardan Chaudhary from JBG Smith way back in April. Now, the university tapped JBG Smith as a master developer for this $1 billion mega project. First structure on the tech campus is gonna occupy about three and a half acres total 300,000 square feet. And Potomac Yard North calls for a total of 7.6 million square feet of office, residential, mixed use, academic, retail, and hospitality. It's gonna be one of the largest, most technologically advanced projects in the country. So read about it. Ah, so unfortunately, I'm out of time, uh, but there's a lot more on the weekly briefing. Check it out. I will see you all next week.
and have a wonderful weekend. All right. Uh, and I am, I know I had to make you rush, so I apologize for that, but you did a great job as always. Oh, um, thanks. Jim. Thank you. Have a good weekend. All right. So uh, before I wrap the show, let's hear from our final sponsor and I will be right back and let you know what we're going to be talking about next week. All right. Uh, again, another timely message from one of our sponsors next week. We're continuing to dive into the hot topics for RealCom and IBCon, and cyber is at the very top of the list. Unfortunately, it's a defensive play. It's not offense, but it's something we cannot avoid. Our buildings are at risk. We need to take um, uh, steps to protect them, and we could not have three better people. It's going to be the chairman of the Real Estate um, Cyber Forum that we're going to be having at RealCom and IBCon, and we're going to get Charles Myers who is now the executive in charge of the Real Estate Cyber Consortium, Jim Whalen, Boston Properties, longtime um, supporter of the cybersecurity discussion, and Thano Lambrinas from Quadril. We three of the best people we can talk about um, buildings and cybersecurity, and we're going to have a great conversation and kind of lead up to what we're going to be talking about at the Cyber Forum at the conference in November. So with that, thank you to all for coming and joining with us this week, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next Friday. And with that, have a great weekend and you all be well.